Well, hello, King's Arms. It is great to be speaking to you today. And for anyone else who's joining us from around the world, it's great to be speaking with you. And, you know, um, I was reflecting years ago, I was driving with the boss of the company I was working for at the time, and we were on the way to, uh, to a particular place. And as we were driving along, he's driving, just, we we're just chatting, and he started to ask me about me. He started to ask me about, uh, I was a young guy, I just started with a company, he started to ask me about me, he started to ask me about uh, what I wanted to do, him, where I thought I'd be in five years time. He started to give me some tips on the, the presentation that I was about to do and just kind of started to really unpack my life um, in, the, in the conversation. I was totally taken aback. I'd never had a leader show any real interest in me in that way before. He then went on to say that he was probably likely to go on and lead the whole group of companies that this company was part of. And if, when he went, he said he wanted me to go with him. And I, I was completely taken aback. The whole thing completely threw me. No other leader had ever shown, shown, shown such care of me before. And, and this guy was not perfect, but I was in. I was, I was in. I was on his team from that moment. You know, and it's fascinating, isn't it, in this season? You can feel the hunger across the world for something different. There is a hunger for leaders who really care about people. Leaders who are not out for themselves. Leaders who are, not, are more interested in what they can give than what they can get. Leaders who lead with in integrity. Leaders who show real character. The world is waking up to the realisation that leaders like that are pretty rare and some are beginning to wonder, do they even exist at all? Are there any real leaders who live like that out there? Isn't it time to see a whole new rise of leadership in our day? Do you want to be some part of something that changes the world? Do you want to be part of something that brings this kind of leadership onto the planet, that sees the broken lifted up, that sees those out in the cold brought in? And here's the good news, you can be. There is a moment in time, in history, and that moment is right now, for us to step up. And this is what it says in Acts 17, verse 26. From one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. That means God could have placed you and I in Afghanistan in the 15th century or, or France in the 18th century or, or please, you know, born to some wealthy family on a Pacific island with a nice beach where the biggest decision was, should I have mango or passion fruit? He could have placed us anywhere. Come back, Simon, come back. Okay, I'm coming back. He could have put us anywhere or at any time, but he put us here. He put us now to be part of his mission in reaching the world around us in this day. Let's read for a moment Jesus' plan to transform the world. You can find it in Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore earnestly pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, And he called to him his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, great name, and John, his brother, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. 
These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Here's the thing, that experience that I had with my boss, the disciples had with Jesus times a hundred on steroids. They had that same experience. My boss was not perfect. And yet this guy, this guy that they'd met, this Jesus was completely perfect. He was the leader of all leaders and they had met him. He wasn't, he had come not, not just as a great king full of kind of pomp and majesty. He'd come not as a first century equivalent to, you know, a, a, a rock star today with a fan flare and show. He'd come not as a, a General with power and an army behind him. How had he presented himself, this leader? And you get it right from this passage. Jesus saw the people as helpless and harassed, like sheep without a shepherd. He came as a shepherd. He came as a shepherd. This leader that they had met came as a shepherd. And we've got to get the context for this because. Whenever you see a text, what's really important, one great question is to ask, what's the context? Well, the context for this is quite significant because hundreds of years earlier, there was a guy called Ezekiel. He was a prophet and he brought a withering critique about the leaders that he saw in his day. You read it in Ezekiel chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep, but you don't feed the sheep. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed, the injured you've not bound up, the stray you've not brought back, the lost you've not sought, and with force and harshness you've ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. Pretty damning, isn't it? Pretty depressing, more depressing than the day Caroline said to me, Simon, you really cannot wear blue and black together. You look like a bruise. And, and no one had ever told me that before. All those years I've been wearing blue and black and now I look like a bruise and no one had told me. And it was a pretty bleak day. It was a dark day. But this is a worse day when God writes this withering prophecy against the leaders of his people. But what's God's solution? Ezekiel says this, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out and I will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. Boom, isn't it? That is, there, there's the moment. There's the context for what we're reading about here. Jesus is the shepherd who Ezekiel prophesied about. He is God incarnate, the one who has come to do what no other shepherd before him had done. He was the good shepherd, the one who leads not out of his own interests, but out of the interests of others. The one who leads not by control and by power plays, but with humility and with integrity. The one who is humble in heart, the one who actually cares for the sheep. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I just want to say this to you. This is the Jesus that I fell in love with. Forget all the caricatures, forget all the stuff you've heard about Jesus. This is the, let me introduce you. This is the Jesus as he really is. This is the one who came out of concern for you and for I. This is the Jesus that I'm following. And I want to just take a moment just to urge you, come follow this Jesus. Come follow this Jesus. Come 
just investigate and find out more about this Jesus because he has been waiting for you and he has come for you. And he, and he comes as a shepherd, but what he does in this story that we read is he raises up a whole load of under-shepherds, as it were, shepherds who will serve like him. Matthew, who writes the story that we read in the first place, he tells about the fact that Jesus gave his disciples authority and a commission that was just like his. He gave his disciples the same role that he had. They are to preach what Jesus preached and they are to go where Jesus went. He is the good shepherd, but we are called to be his under shepherds. And the, the, the world needs more under shepherds, more shepherds like Jesus who live and think and act like he did. And that's what I want to just focus on for the rest of our time together. Four things the good shepherd is calling his under shepherds to be. And the first is in verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion upon them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is looking for those who see. Jesus saw the situation. People in his day were tormented. They were exhausted. They were led astray. He saw the heart of the need as Ezekiel had done hundreds of years before. Jesus saw into the heart of the situation. And that's the supreme motivation for mission, isn't it? That's the supreme motivation for all that we're called to, to see the, the need for the, of those who are perishing outside of God's kingdom, to see it, to really see it. John Stott, uh, one of the greatest uh, preachers of the last century, writes this, motivation comes when you see people harassed by pressures, exhausted by the pace of life, going nowhere and being led astray by many false ideologies. So often we don't see beneath the surface. I remember on a, an alpha course I led some years ago, I was, uh, there was a guy there and to, on the surface he had it all together. He had a great job, he had a great family. But right towards the end of the course, as we drew towards the end, he asked to meet me for a drink, so I met him. And he told me the whole story of how he'd committed a crime. And if he, he was being investigated, and if the investigation found that he was guilty, he would not only lose his job, but probably he would end up in prison. And yet he was wrestling with the conviction of the Holy Spirit around telling the truth. And he was wrestling with this on the surface, it was all fine, it was all together, on the, but deep in the heart, he was like, sheep, like a sheep without a shepherd. He was harassed, he was helpless. He was broken by the situation he got himself into. Put your hands on your eyes. Pray this prayer, Lord, help me to see like you see. Help me to see not just the surface, but to see to the heart, to see the state that people really are in. Help me to see them as you see them. Jesus is looking for under-shepherds who see, and he's looking for those who care. This is what it says. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. The word means he was moved to his guts. He was moved to the deepest place with what he saw. Sometimes we see, but we, we don't care. We just walk on by. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we don't allow our seeing to penetrate to our guts. We realize that we used to care perhaps, but the sheer amount of suffering around us has caused us to just become numb, just to think, oh, I just can't, it's too much, it's too overwhelming. I just can't do anything, so we just shut that care down. Or we get disappointed 
we, we, we tried to care, but then it didn't go well. And we tried to reach those around us, but they kind of threw it back in our faces. And so the disappointment becomes hardened and then our hearts become hardened. And then we realize that we no longer care for whatever reason. Perhaps as we read this story, we feel convicted by the good shepherd who is the one who doesn't get compassion fatigue and he doesn't get disappointed when it's thrown in his face. He just keeps on caring. Put your hand on your belly, give it a jiggle <laughs> and say, Lord, let me see like you see, but let me care. Let it move my guts with what I see. Let it move my guts. Let me not walk by the silent suffering around me. And you might say, well, Simon, that's great. I mean, but what do I do if I don't care? You know, when I've found myself in seasons like that, when I've realised, usually it takes a while to realise, but when I've realised, you know what? I've just stopped caring. What do I do in those seasons? Well, I do exactly what Jesus told the disciples to do next. I pray. This is what it says in verse 37. The good shepherd is asking us to be the under shepherds who pray he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest jesus sees the crowds already he sees that there's a multitude ready but what's lacking are the workers the good news is that the father is the lord of the harvest the pressure's off the pressure is on him to provide the workers I mean, who doesn't love a great prayer meeting? Lord, set, raise up workers to send into the harvest. The only problem is that Jesus, the end of Jesus' prayer meeting, he's like, guys, good news. The Father has answered our prayers. The disciples are like, really? That is wonderful. Where, when are the workers coming? And Jesus says, well, actually, the workers were already here. It's you, go. That, that's, a, that's a bad end to a prayer meeting, isn't it? The reality is we have to be prepared to be the answer to our own prayers. The good news is the Father is the Lord of the harvest. The bad news is he's recruited you and I to join him in the harvest. We've got to be like Isaiah, who hundreds of years earlier said, here am I, send me. The Lord showed him and he cared. And he, as in that moment of worship and prayer, he said, Lord, send me. Remember in our going, we're also looking for other workers who will join us in the harvest. Many of them will come from the harvest. Many of them, many of those who don't yet know Christ will become those who know Christ and help other people to come and find Jesus themselves. I remember many years ago when we uh, had very few in our community of King's Arms who were passionate about reaching the harvest. Uh, there were some, but not, not many had that passion and I was praying and praying, Lord, send someone to help us. Send someone to help us, some, someone to partner together with us. And I was expecting probably someone to come from another church. But then on an Alpha course, I met a young man and he hammered me with questions. And very soon he gave his life to Christ. And then we asked him to help out with some stuff. And then we offered him a job. And then he began to lead Alpha himself. And Steve became one of my best friends and someone who's now a co-worker with me. Someone who was in the harvest, who we found and brought in and now is in his, in his own role, reaching others in the harvest. 
We've got to be prepared to be the answer to our own prayers. We've got to be under shepherds who see, who care, who pray. And then lastly, Jesus is wanting us to go. One thing that's not clear from this passage, we read a little bit of it, was how Jesus trains them. Actually, the whole of Matthew 10 really is about Jesus' training for his workers, his under shepherds, as they go into the harvest. And, you know, we've done loads of training over the years as to how to be one who goes. And, and uh, maybe, you, though, you missed that training or you haven't been on it. I've actually been training myself again and getting more training. In the last six months, I've been researching how is God sending people around the world? How is he helping others around the world to reach those in their communities for the sake of Christ? And, you know, I'm probably going to distill that into some training for us. So if you want to be involved with that, let me know, because, uh, yeah, I'll probably do that soon. But some of us may need training, but probably for many of us, we, we, read, we read at the beginning, didn't we, the, 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 the names of the disciples. We read through that list of, of names. And to be honest, as I was preparing for the sake of time, because we need to get these messages tight online, I was thinking, well, I won't bother reading the list of names. I'll just say he sent the disciples. But then I read through the list of names again. Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. And what I noticed was that the list of 12 is in pairs. Every, it's not just a list, it's not just a separated list with commas. It's in pairs. Simon and Peter. So, sorry, Simon and Andrew. James and John. Philip and Bartholomew. And on and on it goes. The 12 are divided into pairs. Jesus knew if we're going to go over the long haul, if we're going to go and not burn out, if we're going to go and not get uh, disillusioned, if we're going to go, we need a courage buddy. He sent the disciples out in twos. Here's my question. Who is your courage buddy? Who spurs you to go into the harvest? Because there is a natural gravitational pull back to safety. There's a natural gravitational pull back to the comfort. Uh, and the reality is, if we don't have a courage buddy, if we don't have someone who is spurring us on sooner or later, we will just end up not going into the harvest. You need someone who knows your fears and your weaknesses, someone who can pray with you for the harvest, someone who can encourage you when you feel like retreating back to your cave, someone that you can pray for in return. And we see in the Bible, Jesus rarely sends people on their own. Most of the time he sends them in twos. Ask, if you haven't got anyone like that, I would say your first piece of homework after this message is to pray and to say, Father, Lord of the harvest, give me a courage, buddy. But I bet for many of you, you already know who that person is. You just perhaps haven't been prioritising that time. Well, then the next step for you is to prioritise that time. Reconnect with your courage, buddy, and say, you know what? I want to respond to the Lord of the harvest. I want to be a good under-shepherd. Will you help me? Can we stand together in this season? And some of us, though, even discount ourselves from going. We, we feel like, you know, I just haven't got the education, or, I, or I'm, I'm too timid, or I'm not a good speaker. We discount ourselves from, from going. But look at the, the list of people that Jesus used and, and worked with. Peter is an uneducated fisherman. He even writes in one of his letters that he found Paul's letters in the Bible quite, quite complicated, quite hard to understand. Matthew, the greedy tax collector, when Jesus finds him. Simon, the zealot fighter. Thomas, the doubter. It should give us encouragement that there is no one who hasn't got the right shape. Jesus can use any, someone of any shape, of any gift mix, of any type. 
if they are willing to be an under-shepherd who goes. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it again because it's my, my favourite story to tell around this. My friend Paul, who was praying, Lord, I, I want someone to, give me someone, a person of peace that I can reach in the harvest, someone that you can take me to. And as he's praying, he remembered the, uh, a neighbour and, and as he remembered him, his heart sank. He was like, Lord, not him. Because this guy was, let's say, complicated. He was an alcoholic. He, was, he, was, he talked nonstop. He was a little bit of a pain, but socially awkward. And Paul was like, Lord, not him. And he prayed, and the, the Lord again said to him, what about him? And he was like, Lord, just give me somebody else. It's got to be someone easier. And then as he's praying, there's a knock on the door. And as he went to the door, guess who was there? This man. He opens the door. And this man is standing there, and not only is he standing there, he's wearing a, a T-shirt with the brand Disciple written on it. He's like, okay, <laughs> I'm hard-hearted, but I'm not that hard-hearted. You know what? When he left that area and moved on from that church, he looked back, and actually what happened is that guy had got free from alcohol, as had his wife. They'd broken their addiction, and they became pillars in the church. And he looked back and said, actually, they were the ones that God sent us there for. They were the most, they were the most fruitful people that we invested in in that season. It should encourage us that there's no one who is too messed up or too broken that Jesus can't use to go into the harvest. So much in this passage. I would encourage us all, take time to read it again this week. Are you willing to be an answer to Jesus's prayer, to step up, to be an under-shepherd that sees, that cares, that prays and that goes? for the sake of the lost, for the sake of the broken, for the sake of the wounded sheep who are ready to be brought back to the Good Shepherd. This season, I think, is exposing more and more who are hungry, who are ready, who are crying out for the Good Shepherd, for the leader that they cannot find on the planet right now. Yes, we would all probably rather be born on a Pacific island to rich parents where our greatest decision is mango or passion fruit and there's no pandemic. Yes, I vote for that. But that's not really an option, is it? God has brought us here right now in this time and he's calling us and he's saying, will you be those who go to the harvest? Will you be those who join me in the harvest? Will you be those who come with me and follow me into the harvest. And each one of us have a response. What are we going to do? Thanks so much for listening. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that my words and your words sink into our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you would call each one of us to the next step for us as we seek to follow you, Jesus. I pray for any who are not yet a follower of you and are choosing today to follow you. I pray that they would very quickly join you themselves in the harvest. I pray, come Spirit of God, guide us, strengthen us, give us everything we need in your mighty name. Amen. God bless you guys.